Hello, I'm Dr. Joseph Kern, Senior Pastor of Radiant Life Church. I hope you find this message informative, inspiring, and most of all, spiritually uplifting. And now, let's get into the Word of God. How many are ready for some filet mignon in the spirit? Oh, three people. Amen. I'll come to you. I'm coming to you right now. The rest of you, I'm going to throw a sandwich. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> now, here's the thing, you know, is that the Word of God is, uh, is beautiful. And, you know, I've been speaking my whole life, but one thing I've come to realize that I can speak all I want, but unless the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's not, there's nothing good. Amen? So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you at wherever you're at. And he might, you know, it's funny, a lot of times people say, great sermon. And when they told me what I said, I didn't say any of that because <laughs> it was the Holy Ghost speaking. Amen. So that's what we want. Amen. So put your hands in your eyes and say the prayer we pray every week. Say, Holy Spirit, give me 4D vision that I might know the heights, the lengths, the breadth, and the width of your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Praise. High five two people. Let them know that you're in the game. Amen. Today's topic is, we are on the 10th week of the rise and fall of Lucifer. The first eight weeks was a prophetic, pretty much a prophetic series looking at the future, what, we, what I see coming to the earth, and it's very profound. The next eight, eight weeks, from 9 to 16, if you will, the sermons that we're doing is basically strategies on how to overcome. So this is where we're doing application. Today is application, amen? So today's word is the battle of words, no partial victories. The battle of words, no partial victories. Let's go straight to, into the text. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6. Let's play the audio. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Second Corinthians says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How many know that we are in a battle? Church, we are in a battle. And if you don't believe it, all you got to do is open up the news. All you got to do is look at the news app because a lot of Christians don't realize that we're in a battle and we are in a battle or else the Bible wouldn't say for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. How many know that we actually have weapons and it says for warfare. If God is giving you weapons for warfare, that means he expects you to understand that you are in a battle. And all I got to do is open up the news, for example, and, and, and it's sad to say, where you find this beautiful black man. 30, I, I, they showed pictures of him, 37 years old, handsome man. He's drowning in the water. This just happened last week. A group of five to six young people, they, they, they watched him drown and mocked him as he's dying. Oh, don't you wish we'd come and help you? I mean, I can't even grasp to understand how you can watch a man and you mock him as he's closing his eyes and he's going into eternity and you're sitting there mocking him. How many heard that story? It was in the news all week. And see, my Bible says in the last days that people will, will have inordinate affection, that their affection will be off. Now, if that's not off, I don't know what to tell you. I can't even understand that here in America, we'd have a group of young people laughing and making fun of someone who's dying and say, wouldn't you like me to help you? Oh, I'm not going to. Wow. 
when we look at this country and we have people walking up to police officers who are in their cars and shooting them in the back of the head. That happened last two weeks too. So we got random people shooting police. And then we have police officers shooting people who are pregnant. Do you see that in the news? So we got people shooting police, police shooting people. None of it makes sense. You know what that tells me? We're in a battle. And church, we need to wake up. And we need to stop acting like we're not. We need to realize that the Bible says you're in a battle and he's given you weapons. Even though our weapons are not carnal and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but he's given a spiritual weapon to overcome the carnal, to overcome the physical. Are you hearing me? In fact, if you want to know where the war is, it says that our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, if you don't know what a stronghold is, in the old days, cities used to have these big walls. How many of you have seen pictures like that? And the purpose for the walls, they were called strongholds so that people could not come in through the city who weren't allowed in the city. So you had these big walls or strongholds and it protected the city. And the Bible says that many of our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what kind of strongholds are these? Casting down imaginations, underlying imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge, underlying knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience, underlying thought. Now, the strongholds, if you notice, are imaginations, knowledge, and thoughts. All those have to do with the mind. So where's the battle? The battle's in the what? And think about it. Once the devil has your mind, he has your what? Body. The moment I have no compassion and no, and no love and I'm prejudiced in my mind or I'm hateful, it's going to manifest not wanting to help someone who's drowning. Come on, talk to me. Or it's going to be mean to people because the devil wants your mind, the battle, it starts there. And the Bible says that some people have become so entrenched in what they're doing that they become like strongholds of a city that God's knowledge can't break through because their mind is so full of strongholds and their imaginations and their thoughts and the intentions of their heart. Does that make sense? But this says through the weapons of our warfare, warfare, we can overcome these strongholds. I don't care how demonic your mind is. The weapons of my warfare are so powerful, I can pull them down in Jesus' name. So we need to understand. Now notice this. And have it in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. God works on your behalf when you walk in obedience. How do you overcome disobedience? By being obedient. See, it's pretty quite, it's not that difficult to understand. That we revenge disobedience by obedience, by doing what's right. Amen? Now, the Bible tells us how to become obedient, how to overcome the enemy. Look at Matthew 16, verse 18. But before we read the scripture, let me give you the concept of what's going on or, or, or the context. Jesus had just asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter looked at Jesus and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus got excited. He says, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, this is a supernatural word that you've gotten. You just got a download from the Father. And then what does he say? As a result of this download, as a result of this revelation that Peter got that he's the Christ. And he says, and upon this rock, this rock of revelation that I'm the Christ, I will build my church. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Hallelujah. The Bible says the gates of hell are all the power of the enemy cannot overcome someone who has a revelation built on the rock. 
In other words, what was the revelation? It was based on the words of Jesus that he was the son of God. And based on the word of God, the Bible says the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So what is the victory that overcomes minds and thoughts and intentions and all this stuff? It's the word of God. But the revelation of the word of God, you could be carrying a Bible right now. You can have an app right now. You can have scriptures on your car and on your bumper stickers and still flip off people because it's not a revelation. Honk if you love Jesus and forget it's there and flip everybody off. Because it's not a revelation. But once it's a revelation, it becomes where the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. And notice he said the gates of hell shall not what? Prevail. How many know that gates don't move? What does that mean? You should be going towards the gates of hell. That your relationship with Christ should be so strong that you should be pushing, pushing forward. In other words, what is the word of God telling us? We should be moving from a defensive attitude to an offensive attitude. In other words, if you be giving the devil hell, pushing, those, pushing towards those gates of hell, guess what? Then we don't have time to be coming against you. He's so busy defending, trying to overcome you because you're overcoming him. You're being more aggressive. Are you hearing me? The gates of hell. What does that mean? In other words, stop waiting for someone to get someone saved and get someone saved. Get this card, man, and hand it to somebody. Give it to someone. Bless somebody. Tell someone about Jesus. Lay hands on someone and and say, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes... Okay, wait, let's stop there. Does it say sometimes... Does it say when, when you feel good? When God's on a good mood? No, he what? Come on. Louder. I can't hear you. Okay. <laughs> Always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. The Bible says we're always victorious. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm always victorious. Follow me on this. A triumph is not winning a victory, but it's the celebration of a victory. A triumph is not, I got to go in a battle way. It's the celebration that you've already won. What is my point? When you get the revelation that Jesus Christ already won the battle 2,000 years ago for you on the cross, and all you're supposed to do is enforce the edict, guess what? You become victorious. But that's not the mindset of the church. Maybe it's, oh, one day I'll be healed. One day I won't be sick. One day I'll have my job. And God says, no, 2,000 years ago, I triumphed for you. Now enforce it. It's like if you have this property and I own it and it's beautiful property, lake, it has a house, everything. And you know what? I own it and I give it to you. The only problem is there's a crazy person on there and I give you a gun and I say, go ahead and get them out of there, right? It's yours, but you got to what? Enforce the victory. It's already yours. In fact, if you do the job of the sheriff, guess what? You won't even get in jail because it's already yours. Saints, you got some land that God has given you. You got to enforce the victory. You got to say, hello, it's Sheriff Edith here. That property belongs to me. Hello, it's Sheriff Brandon. It's Sheriff whoever you are. He causes us to triumph. It's a victory already won. When you get a revelation that my marriage was already saved. Come on. I've already been healed. Now I'm claiming it. And now, devil, you have to give up because that's my territory. Then I triumph in it. It's a different level. It's not waiting. That's really hope. But the Bible says now faith is. Faith is now. Now is faith. Faith is now. Hope says later. And hope is great. But guess what? It doesn't bring a healing. 
Hope just gives me encouragement for one day, but I need to now walk into another dimension where I go, now faith is. So we are called to enforce the victory over the devil at Calvary, the battle that Jesus won. Now, how does victory come? Look at 1 John 5, 4. Come on. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. So even the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So how do we overcome the world with our what? Faith is what? Trust, our dependence. In other words, how do we overcome? When we get a revelation that everything I need has already been done. I just got to enforce it. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Nothing can take me out. Say I'm, I'm sick in body. Come on. And I'm believing God to heal me. And I'm, I'm healed. And I'm, I'm the enforcer. And by his stripes, I'm healed. And say I die next week. I still won because I'm healed in Jesus' presence. He's not the God of the dead. He says, I'm the God of the living. Whether I'm on earth or in heaven, I'm still going to be alive. You need to think a little bit differently. You can't mess with me. You can't kill me. I got eternal life. I might be on another dimension, but I'm fine with that. Woo. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which, causes, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no victory outside of Christ. You can't do this on your own. He's the one who gives us the victory. Amen? Now, the whole heart of today's message If you don't remember anything, remember this. Write this down if you can. Write this down. Partial victories are forbidden in the scripture. Partial victories are forbidden. What does that mean? God doesn't like half-baked victories. Well, you know, pastor, you know, I only smoke on Sundays now. I used to smoke Monday. That's a partial victory. Well, you know, pastor, um, I only do drugs on, on Christmas and Easter because, you know, I've been withholding, you know. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't go to the prostitutes no more. I only, um, well, I, only, I only have sex with my girlfriend now. That's a partial victory because the Bible says, what? No adulterer shall enter the kingdom of God. And we settle and we think we're wonderful. I'm only fornicating once a week instead of twice a week now, Pastor. Why is it so quiet in this place? You know, anyways. No partial victories. And you know what? If you have lessened the amount that you're giving into stuff, that's good. But what I'm trying to tell you, God wants you to get to the place where you have total victory. And he can give it to you. And that's why you're here today. I'm going to teach you how to get the total victory. Let's turn to Psalm 18, 32 through 42. Let's hear it and then I'll exegesis it. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. And sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war, so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet, for you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. 
You have also given me the necks of my enemies, so that I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord. But he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the streets. I hope you were listening and you realize that there are no partial victories in Christ. God does not like partial victories. And you know what? Some of the things I talked about, I'm being funny to make you laugh, but sometimes to not fornicate is a big mountain for you. To not drink, you're so bound that it's, 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 I mean, I don't mean to make light of it. It's like a mountain you can't conquer. But what we find out in Psalms 18, that the Bible says that he'll make your feet like hinds feet. You know what hinds feet are? That's a deer, deer feet. And you know what deer do? They, 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 they gallop across mountains. And God says, that mountain that is so big for you, I'm going to give you deer feet so you can hop over it. I'm going to make you, you're gonna, that mountain you, you feel like you can't climb, I'm going to give you supernatural deer feet so you can just climb over that mountain. And not only that, he says, you've been slipping, you, know, you just can't seem to walk right. Notice what he says, thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet slip not. How do you know that God can give you such big shoes that you don't fall over? That's what the Bible says. He's enlarged my steps. Come on. In other words, I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care what your battle is. And maybe you've only had partial victory. But I'm telling you today, God can give you hinds feet to climb over that thing. God can give you bigger shoes that you can stomp on that thing. But you need to pay attention to the revelation here. Notice what God, he does not like partial victories. Notice verse 37. Neither did I turn again until they were consumed. In other words, I did not turn my back until I totally consumed my enemy. Totally demolished. And I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. God wants you to fight your enemy so they can't get back up. Look at verse 40. Thou has also given me the necks of my enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. The Bible says that God gave them their necks. In the old days, they used to put their feet on the necks of their enemies. And God says, you've given me the neck of my enemy because they hated me. How many of you know that I'm not talking about people here? I'm talking about spiritual opposition. I know that the devil will use people, but behind the scenes are devils that are using people to oppress you. And God says, I want you to demolish those demonic entities. I want you to pray until they're broken over your life. All those weaknesses need to be broken. I want you to take the neck of the enemy and break it. Look at, and it says, because they hate me. How many know we went over eight weeks describing how Satan hates you so much? Because the throne that he wanted, God gave it to you freely. He was willing to lose everything for it, and yet God gave it to you. Look at this, verse 41, they cried, but there was none to save them. In other words, they said, you know, deliver me, save me. And there was none to deliver them because I broke their backs. I beat them up. I didn't listen to their cries of mercy. How many know that God doesn't want you to feel sorry for the devil? Oh, poor little devil. What do you mean, poor little devil? Put your hand, your, your foot over his neck. Come on. Then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind. Look at this. The Bible says your enemies, you're supposed to beat them until you pulverize them into dust. In other words, is anyone saying have mercy on your enemy? No, you're supposed to destroy them till they rise not. And then I cast them out as dirt in the streets. Literally, that means I took them like they were a poop ball and I just threw them out. I'm trying to be nice here. No partial victories. God says, I want total victory. I want you to destroy your enemy to the point that they cannot rise up again. You know what the problem with the church is? We settle for partial victories. We settle for, 
I'm kind of delivered. We settle for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. And God says, stop settling. We're in a war. Totally destroy the enemy. In other words, God wants a permanent, total, 100% victory. And you go until your enemies are the dust underneath your feet. Come on, talk to me. Amen. Come on, the whole church. Again, I am not talking about people. I'm talking about, you know, right now, the Holy Spirit's telling you the battles that you have. You know the weaknesses you have. God wants you to, that's your enemy. Wants to destroy that thing. These habits, these weaknesses that are promoted by the enemy to destroy you. God wants you to destroy it. He wants you to cut its head off. He wants you to beat it, pulverize it. Amen? Let me give you some examples. Joshua is commanded to hold a spear in the air. Look at this in Joshua 8.18. And the Lord said unto Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in thine hand towards Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand towards the city. Verse 26. For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed. Say, utterly destroyed. All the inhabitants of Ai. Joshua had went to Ai. And we learned this last week. And they lost the battle. They weren't supposed to lose one person, but 26 died because one guy by the name of Achan decided to hold on to a Babylonian garment. Remember last week we taught on that? How many know that one person can mess it up for you? That one person who's into hiding secret witchcraft and into weird stuff and, you know, and a lot of church, a lot of church people hide and they got some weird witchcraft under their bed. Come on, talk to me. In their closets. And God says, you can't stand before your enemies because you have not taken care of the business. You're still holding on to your old lifestyle, your own Babylonian garments. And God says, you can't stand before me. Okay, so he repents. He says, Lord, what must I do to battle? Pay attention. Look up here. He told him something unusual. He says, when you go into battle, you have to hold up your spear. And you, will not, you cannot let it down until you've utterly destroyed your enemies. I want you to picture God telling you this. He's going into a natural war, but God's telling him to face it in spiritual warfare. And he tells him, now remember, Joshua's a real dude. He really has to fight, but he's not allowed to use one of his hands. How would you like to go into battle and you're going to use two legs and, a, and, and one hand and you have to hold up a spear before the Lord the whole time? And he's doing that. I mean, and the Bible says that he hold, he's fighting, he's, he's hurting folk, but he cannot put the spear down. And the Bible says he does not put the spear down until his enemies were utterly destroyed. And when his enemies were utterly destroyed, he was able to rest. Now, I want you to think about these battles were hours, 8, 10, 12. Can you hold the spear up for eight hours and fight at the same time? What if Joshua would have let down the spear before the battle was won? I'll tell you what would happen. He would have lost again because he would have been in disobedience to the word of God. And that lifting of the spirit saints represents our praise and our worship. As long as we keep our hands up, guess what? We'll win the battle. But the moment we get lazy and lay down that spear, that 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 because that praise and worship is more than just praise to God. It's actually an offensive weapon that penetrates the enemy. And as long as you keep one hand down, the other hand fighting, God will give you the victory but listen if I was if you're to come to me now and I as a modern prophet was to tell you the victory the, the battle you're going through right now let's say marriage we, we, we just pray for married couples if here, here I'm, the Lord told me to give you this card and he doesn't want he wants you to hold in the air 
And you don't put it down until God heals your marriage. I already know what most of you do. The moment that prayer is done, you put your hand down and go, okay, thank you, Jesus. Because you think, you don't understand, you have to take God's word literally. Can you imagine Joshua? He, that's how the church is. They, no, hold that card up until you have the victory, if that was the word for you. That means you hold that card. If you've got to tie your arm up like this till you go to sleep at night, come on, talk to me. And what I'm trying to describe to you, there's this lazy nature in the church that even when God gives you a word, you don't fully do it. And you have to ask, what would make Joshua in the natural be willing to not put down that spirit until he got the victory? Because that was the way the Lord said he had to do it. Saints, hear me. That spear is prophetic of something God has asked you to do. And some of you have not finished it. This is why I'm telling you. Let's go to Exodus chapter 17, verse 9 through 14. Where did Joshua learn this type of spiritual warfare? Come on, let's play it. 9 to 14, Exodus 17. Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow... I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial Listen. in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Where did Joshua learn that in his battle, that if he could hold his hands up, he will continue and win the battle? We find out that years earlier when, they were, when Moses was still alive and they're battling the Amalekites, Joshua had to do the physical battle and Moses says, I will hold up the rod of God and as long as I hold it, you guys will win. And Joshua, he's doing the physical battle. He's fighting. And guess what? He realizes that sometimes they're winning the battle and at other times they're losing and he's looking up and he's going, what's going on here? And he notices that as long as Moses' arms are held up, or as long as his arm is high, guess what? They're winning the battle. But the moment Moses gets tired, because it's normal to get tired, he starts putting it down. Guess what? Because he's old. He's 120 years old. He's getting older. And as long as he starts putting his hands down, guess what? They start to lose the battle. So, so Joshua realizes this. He says, Aaron, her, climb the mountain and hold up the hands of our captain. And Aaron and her, they would hold up the hands of Moses. And guess what? They could not lose the battle anymore because his hands are being held up. Come on. Let me give you an example. David, come here. Great, come here. As long as Moses' hands were held, they were winning. But if they fell, what happened? They lost. But as long as they were held up, and Moses needed some help, so he had, a, he had an Aaron and a what? A her. And guess what? In his tiredness, he wasn't tired no more. Because why? 
He had two helpers. Thank you. That's not the point. Here's the point. The reason why so many churches are losing in battle, because pastors don't have errands and hers. The church expects the pastor to be the evangelist, the teacher, the healer, the counselor, the visitor, the everything, and Aaron and her just sitting on somewhere. Saints, we need Aaron and hers. Why do you think we come together to gather on Sunday night and we lift our hands? Because watch, what was God teaching them? How is it that as long as his hands were raised, they'd win the battle? Because what God was teaching them, the battle is not yours. The battle is mine. And I taught you the first eight weeks that in every natural battle, even today, there's a spiritual battle. And who wins is determined by which spiritual side is praying and not praying. Come on, talk to me. And as long as Moses had his hands up, he's worshiping, he's going to win the battle. As long as you keep your hands up. And you might need an Aaron or her. You might need someone to help you because I'm getting tired. I know you're getting tired, but come on. You can keep praising God. I know you want to quit, but you can keep going for it. I know your marriage about them, but come on, just go to the altar one more time. As long as you can keep your hands up, you're going to win the battle against the Amalekites. That's one of the things I loved. For those who are hearing this by media, we had a couple come up who, who, who divorced, but they got married again. But even in the midst of their divorce, they never stopped coming to church. They never quit their accountability. Because they knew the enemy was after them, even though they got divorced. And supernaturally, because they kept their accountability, they kept holding their hands, God was able to bring them back. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if she says, I hate you. I don't ever want to see you again. I know what God can do. He can supernaturally change a heart as long as you keep your hands up and you don't give up. But pastor, I'm tired. Then get an Aaron, get a her, get someone to pray with you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's go to 2 Kings 13, 14 through 19. Saints, I'm telling you, I'm about to break off a revelation here. The problem is many Christians don't finish the battle. You need to finish the battle. Stop giving up. Get someone to help you. 2 Kings 13, 14 through 19. Let's hear this. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Jehoash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face. <laughs> Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. <laughs> and Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Check Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window. And he opened it. Shoot. And he shot. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Take the arrows. Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. I find it amazing how many times in the Bible there were real warfare going on and they were, they were determined by men of God and in their prayer. That physical battles were determined by spiritual warfare. King Joash 
was confronted by the Syrian army, the greatest army at that time, and Israel was about to be destroyed. And so he goes to the greatest prophet of the day named Elisha. He says, what must I do to win this battle? He says, we got to win it in the spirit realm first. We got to prophesy to the, to the wind. We got to prophesy to the air. He says, well, what do I got to do? He says, open up that window that's facing the east, that's facing towards the temple. And, and then he goes, shoot some arrows. And the prophet put his hand on the arm of the king and they're shooting arrows in the east. Why towards the east? Because the east is where Jerusalem was, where the temple was. And those arrows represented prayers of intercession. Come on. I hope you're listening to what I'm saying right now. And then God told him, now get your arrow and hit it on the ground. And, and, then, and then here's what King Joash does. He got in, he goes, you know, one, two, three and he goes all right what's next and he says you should have hit the ground at least five or six times but because you're so lazy you'll only win three battles saints joash is like the church okay prophet what's next not really into it not realizing that god was watching his actions and every time he hit the ground meant he would win a battle, but him just trying to get through the religious service, just trying to get through the nine o'clock, 10 o'clock service. All right. And God says, you will only win three times. If you would have hit it five times, six times, you would have won the victory because it would have only taken about five victories. But now you only have a partial victory. And the Bible says the prophet was wroth with him. God hates partial victories. You're going to have to come back to this at another time. What's the principle? Arrows for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Arrows to a saint represents intercession. You better write this down. Arrows are intercession. And when he hit them on the ground, it represents our humility that when we pray, we always are on the ground. In other words, what was God trying to teach us, man? You don't get off the ground until you've won the victory. You don't stop praying until you've won the victory. Have you won the victory? Get back in there. Your wife with you? Get back in there. Let me give you an example. Ten years ago, I was 310 pounds, had diabetes. You couldn't even measure it. You couldn't. I had, oh, it was just horrible. I had feet that were almost black on the bottom. I had bruise marks all over my back. I was a mess. And I realized I'm going to die. You know what? You know what's wrong with a lot of us? We don't change until we're about to die. And I'm telling you, don't wait till you're about to die. So I realized that I had a problem with food. Let me tell you, diabetes is not genetic. It's a lifestyle. It's called too much fried chicken and, and carbs and, and Slurpees. Come on, talk to me. Oh, God, why are you all so quiet? Come on. You will get delivered when you realize you stop blaming it on your genetics and really it's, you blame it on your gut. Blame it on the food choices you're making. I was fat for a long time. And you know what happened? I said, I got to fast because I could not stop doing the things I did not want to do. I fasted 40 days and it worked. I, I lost weight. I was feeling good, but I, I kept going back. So I went on another fast and then I went on a Daniel's fast. I ended up fasting almost two years straight. And you know what happened after two years to this day? I've never gained weight. Food has no power over me. I've, I've lost under pounds. My waist was a 48. I'm now a 36 going down to 34 because my belt, it's, they're getting looser again. My, my chest, are you ready, was a 60. It's now a 47, so I was double D, but now I'm triple A. 
<laughs> but you know what? I had to fast until I broke that, and I was tired of living like that. I was tired of being a, a, a fat person. I was tired of not being able to see my feet. Come on. I had to put on my shoes by doing this. I mean, seriously. I got tired of it. We did, where do you think the Daniel's fast that we do January and October came? It came from those years when I was learning how to fast. And here's what's crazy. Sometimes you're on a fast and I tell people, did you get your deliverance? No. Well, then I'm going to eat a hamburger, but you stay on the fast because you haven't got your breakthrough yet. I get to eat it. I got mine. What's my point? It might be different for you, but if you didn't get your breakthrough, stay on the fast. Don't get off your face until you've made your breakthrough. Keep hitting those arrows on the ground until you see the problem is you give up too easy. Jesus battled 40 days and 40 nights with the devil in Matthew. He didn't get up after 11 days. He waited until the battle was over. We give up too easy because we accept partial victories. Well, guess what? I got a partial victory. God wants 100% victory. God wants you to cut the head off the enemy. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 50 through 51. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath and thereof slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. David was only 16 years old. Skinny, wiry, kind of good looking, but still kind of funny looking, you know, in, the, in that, middle age, that middle stage of being a man. But there was a giant by the name of Goliath. And Goliath represents Satan. He represents that thing you've been facing. That Goliath was 15 feet tall. David was probably five, six. How would you like to stand and fight a guy who's three feet your size, three times your size? You got to look up to just see his head. And this guy... Everyone was afraid to fight him. In fact, they said, we're not going to have a battle, just me and your best. And they send out a boy. In fact, Goliath was offended. He says, what? Am I a dog that you're bringing sticks and stones to play fetch? Boy, I'm a warrior. Because, I mean, you, know, you only bring stones for dogs. Here, fetch. He says, I'm a mighty warrior. I'm not a dog. He said, listen, boy, I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls today. The birds are going to eat you. Now, what would you do if a guy, I mean, this talk, and you're literally like this, and he's talking to you, looking down at you. You know what David did? He remembered that my victory is in Christ. He says, you come with me with a, seer, a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of my God. And he will give you over to me. He says, and I will take off your head today, and the birds and the fowl of the air will feed from your neck. He basically put it back in his face. Come on, saints. You know the story? He got one sling. He hit the enemy, and the enemy bled to death. Come on. You know what most of you would have done? I won! Yeah, yeah! And run off. You'd be so excited because look at he's on the ground. Ooh, ah! That's not what David did. He says, I'm going to pulverize you. I'm going to beat you like dust. Who do you think wrote the psalm? I'm going to beat you like dust to the ground. So what does he do? He gets the sword that David was going to, or excuse me, he got the sword that Goliath was going to use to cut David's head off, and David took that sword that was going to be used on his head, and he cuts Goliath's head off. And then he picks up Goliath's head by his hair, he holds up, he goes, ah, to the enemy. And the enemy begins to run because they go, this is what I'll do to the rest of you. 
This was your biggest? Come now. Let me see you. Bring it on, baby. Come on, amen. See, what you don't realize is that sword that the enemy wanted to use against David represents the sword that the devil wants to kill you with. The sword that the enemy has come against you, God wants you to take that sword and cut the enemy's head off so that you can chase the enemy off of other people's life. Some of you were bound by alcoholism. The, de- the devil had a sword of alcoholism. And God wants you to take that sword, overcome the enemy, now use that same sword and cut the enemy's head off of somebody else. Some of you were suffering from drug addiction for so many years. And God wants you to take that sword through Christ. Take that sword out of the hand of the enemy. Break it and then cut the devil's um, head off of drug addiction in somebody else's life. Whatever sword the enemy has used against you, God wants you to have 100% victory so that now you can bring victory to others. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is your misery? God says, I want to take your misery and make it your ministry. And how do we know that? Because even the Bible says, and he prophesied in Genesis 3.15, he says, Satan, you will bruise his heel, but he'll bruise your what? Head. And sure enough, when Jesus went to Calvary, he was crucified at a place called, it starts with a G, what was it called? Golgotha, the place of the, you know why it was called Golgotha? Because Golgotha is a derivative of Goliath. Jesus died on the Mount of Goliath, the place of the skull. Why? Because literally that's where David had buried. Where they put Jesus on the cross was the place where Jesus was buried above it, standing on his head. The place of the skull. What does God want to do? He wants you to take that sword that the enemy used against you. And he wants you to cut the head off the enemy so that you can overcome. Are you hearing me? The problem is, you know what the problem is? We, 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 we want to be like David. You know, we even sing songs. Oh, I will sing, I will sing, I will sing like David sang, right? I will, right? Why don't you war like David warred first? Then you can sing. Why don't you war and pulverize the enemy, take the devil's head off, then you can sing like David. First learn to war like David warred. But a lot of us, we, we, we get excited because we have a partial victory and then we get messed up. I don't want this to happen to you. Laugh and enjoy it, but understand what I'm telling you. No partial victories. Let's watch this video clip. We're about to leave. We're another pie. You want to roll with us? Tommy, I don't know if you heard me a while ago, brother, but uh, this is my woman. She won't be rolling nowhere, bro. Excuse me, little man. Was nobody talking to you, okay? Huh? Hold it, hold it. No, thank you. I'm gonna stay right here. But thank you, thank you. That sure, was, Gina. Hey, you are very Yo, nice. Yo, you can roll with us, baby. We'll take care of you, baby. I'm serious. So what? <laughs> you heard me. Yeah, they call you the hitman. Well, I got a call from Sugar. He calls you to get hit, man. Oh. Hear me and hear me. Good. Two weeks from today, I go 10 rounds with Thomas the Hitman Hearns. What? <laughs> the brawl fought off. Y'all can go back to Mingling. All right, raw dog has spoken. 
ropes is Martin Payne figuring, how did I get into this mess? Oops. Oops. <laughs> and Payne goes in and outside the ring. He's still on his feet, I think. Got a few supporters here. I'll say that for him. Wobbly. He's still in there. Burns just toying with Payne now. Payne begins to come back. Payne begins to throw a few punches now. Where'd he get this struggle? Where did he get this strength? He thinks he's won the fight. Burns, meanwhile, resting against the corner. I got him, Gina. I got him. I caught him, baby. Caught him. Yeah. Huh? I love you. This could hurt. Yeah, you got a lot of heart in them, man. You got a lot of heart. Gina. Yes, baby, I'm here. I don't want to fight no more. I know, baby, I know, but the fight is over, baby. It's over. I don't want to fight no baby, more. Baby, I love you. No. No? Oh, I love you. I love you, too. I know, but... <laughs> How do you know that? Martin reminds me a lot of the church. You, you get a few strokes in and you're celebrating and the enemy coming right around to beat you down. How many partial victories have we seen in the church but we didn't take the 100% and the enemy in the long run won the battle? Can you give me um, five more minutes, you guys mind? I want to show you the enemy's weapons. This is going to blow your mind. Turn to Psalm 55, 2 through 9 and I'm going to read it. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in thy wrath they hate me. Listen to this description. My heart is sore painted within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. Have you ever felt like that, where you just couldn't sleep, and you felt overwhelmed by fear, and how am I going to do this, how am I going to do that? David says, it overwhelmed me, it took on me like the pains of death. Look it, and I said, oh Lord, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. How many of you know that that is usually the result? The first thing we want to do is run from it all. Oh, that I had the wings and I could fly away from all these problems, I'm overwhelmed. But how many of those problems just follow you? For though then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. You know what Selah means? Think about this. In other words, that's not the answer. You running away, trying to get away from your friends, the church, trying to get away from your family. That's not the answer. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and repent. Destroy, oh Lord. Listen to this. And divide their tongues. There we get the hint of where the answer is. Divide their tongues like at Babel. At Babylon, the Lord confused their languages so they couldn't speak to one another. In other words, notice, because of the voice of the enemy, write this down. The enemy's weapons are his words. 
that he speaks against you every day. Demons are speaking, whether you realize not 24-7, speaking words of evil against you. His weapons are his words. And the kingdom of Satan, witches get together and speak words against pastors, leaders, and all that work to thwart the work of the devil, or the work of the enemy, but the devil will, is behind it. Listen to me, saints. Remember, the Bible says that even though we wrestle not against flesh and blood, the enemy does use flesh and blood. The enemy's weapons are words, and he's constantly using them against you. And if you don't think this is serious, then the devil knows the power that words are so powerful that let me repeat again, high-profile pastors, leaders, the enemy will actually raise up witches to come against them. In fact, if you don't believe me, let's watch this video right here. If you don't believe what I just said. Before uh, this coming here, as I was praying, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared unto me. And I thought he was going to speak to me about this meeting. But he spoke to me about this nation. And he said, this is what you need to tell the people about this nation. And it chiefly, it concerns President Donald Trump. So this is what the Lord said. Surround the president with prayer. They need to organize a governmental prayer watch. I, I honestly don't understand that word. But I just wrote down whatever the Lord told me. Surround the president with prayer. Need to organize a governmental prayer watch. Pray he completes his full term. For that is the period of grace extended for this nation. His term should not be prematurely aborted. Witches have formed a prayer watch in the night hours to do sorcery and witchcraft over him. So if the witches can form a prayer watch, how much more the saints of God? Oil, bubble, bubble, I smell trouble. Witches across the country were gathering at the stroke of midnight to put a hex on President Trump. Did you see this? That's right, Ben. Find Donald J. Trump. Find their wickedness. Find their wickedness. This is real. Scenes like this playing out as a collective spell was cast under the crescent moon. The witches plan to do the same for each upcoming crescent moon until President Trump is out of office. Did you just hear that? They will do this every month during the crescent moon until he's out of office. When have you ever seen a present where the witches come straight out and curse him boldly? And that first preacher, I know he looks kind of funny. He's from a different country, India, but he's a real preacher and a real prophet. And he said that in September before he was elected. He said he would be elected and witches would come out. This was before all that. So that even gives more credence to his word. Why am I showing you that? Because the enemy's weapons is what? Words. 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 I was at one church. I'm going to have to close. I have so much more, but I'm going to close. 
It was a, and there was a move of God happening in this church. It was a mega church. Some of you will know it and, and you'll figure it out. But the spiritual warfare was so intense that often we'd get witches on the property in north, south, east, and west, and they'd light up a candle, they'd burn incense, and they'd begin speaking curses over that church that I was at. But I want to show you the power of God. There was a guy who lived on that property. How many know a lot of churches have people who live on the property? And they're always a little bit off. I love them. I love those kind of people. One of them was a guy who used to work in the fire department. His name was Tom. He's passed on now. And Tom was a guy who, had, who suffered an injury, and I'm not making fun of him. So when he spoke, he always spoke, his arm was like this. And if you can't see me, it's, it's like my hand stuck palsy. I don't know how to describe it. But he watched like this. And he was old. And he walked with the limp. He kind of went like this, you know, like Igor. And I'm not making fun of him. That's how he, he was my friend, but that's how he walked. And one night they were doing that. He had these witches. And can you imagine, here you are a witch, young, you got on four corners, about two to three people each corner, and all of a sudden you see in the dark some guy's arm like this coming after you. (laughs) I, I I just think of the picture of it. So he's coming out there, and finally one of them shouts out, what are you doing, old man? And he says, no, what are you doing? He says, we're here to curse this church. We're here to break it down, and we will with our words. And, he, and they go, who are you? He says, well, you better get out of here right now, right now. And they go, well, who are you? Well, regarding this church, I'm Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they started running. <laughs> they literally ran. He says, I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> How many of know that one handicap? Doesn't that sound like the four lepers in the old Bible? I had a lady an old lady named Carmen, my grandmother's friend. And my grandmother and, my, and Carmen, they came from, they used to party, you know what I mean? My grandma was a suicidal alcoholic, got totally delivered, set free, became a teacher in the church. But they used to party in the old days. And when they got saved, they got saved. And man, I, used, I missed those prayer meetings. I used to pray with the old ladies. I didn't want to pray with the young people because they didn't know how to pray. I used to love the prayer meeting with the old ladies. Come on, talk to me. Old ladies can pray. Come on. Because they're, they're tired of that foolishness. I'm not kidding. You want to see some signs and wonders? Go to an old ladies prayer meeting. And I would go to that prayer meeting. They'd be in the name. Of, I mean, they would be shaking. and I mean, just, just they'd be praying. And I used to pray with them once a week. I'm not kidding. I was only 18, 19. But I loved being with the older ladies praying. And one day, this lady who was into curanderas, in case you're not Latino or Latina, a curandera is a witch doctor for the Spanish community. And so before they got saved, Carmen used to have this, they used to have this rivalry across the street. And this old lady decided to call upon a curandera to curse Carmen. And so she paid a lot of money. But guess what? It wouldn't work. So she came to us and she goes, you know what? You think Carmen's so good? You think she's such a good lady? You know, you think she's a church person? Well, guess what? I called on the most powerful kudendetta in all of, I won't even say the place. I called the most powerful kudendetta to curse her. And you know what? Nothing happened. You know why? Because she has a stronger kudendetta than me. Yeah, that kudendetta was called Jesus Christ. I want to give you an answer to the words of the enemy. Let's go to Psalm 17, verse 4. And the only reason why I showed you that video clip of Donald Trump is if the enemy's doing that at high levels, he's doing that at the levels I've showed you, it's a real battle. And those curses are to bring you down. Buddy, it is real. 
There's people cursing against your ministry, against your, your, your marriage, and that's why we got to break those curses. Amen? All right. God, there's so much. Let me just close here. I'm going to give you, I have a lot more, but we're going to stop here. Are you ready? Psalm 17:4. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the path of the destroyer. Woo! The path of the destroyer. Who's the destroyer? Come on, talk to me. Satan. His path is his plan for your life. But it says, concerning the works of men. Why does he say men? Because you can't see the devil. He works through men. The, the path of the destroyer. Satan works through men. But how did I destroy the path of the destroyer? He says, by the word of thy what? Lips. How do you overcome the word of the enemy? By the word of God. What does the word of God say about your situation? Excuse me. Quote that. Amen? Sorry, you guys. I'm having problems with my... Give me that other microphone. Can you hear me better? Testing. There we go. Test, 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 test. Isn't that funny? Right when you get to the most important parts. Now we can record this, right? We're recording? Here we go. I'm going to want to give you two more scriptures. I got to give you these scriptures. Isaiah 54, 17. And write down Psalm 149, 5 through 9. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and of the righteous. It is me, saith the Lord. When we are attacked by words, we can come against them. We can say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, devil. All those words you spoke, I'm a loser, I'm a this, I'm going to lose my marriage. I'm a... No. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break these words. I condemn them back to hell. Psalm 149, 5 through 9. And I have a lot more, but let me just give you these two. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of what? Be upon their what? Okay, look up here. High praise of God has to do with your hands being held of praise and worship. Long as your hands are, whole, are high, you're going to what? Win the battle. So look what it says. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged what? Sword in their hand, which is the what? Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 right the word of god is a two-edged sword and what is it for to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people it's talking about demonic forces that speak against you and sometimes it can be people if someone in the natural is speaking against you they need to be careful because it can cause their life if they don't shut up that's not what you want but just if they keep on doing what they're doing their lives can't be taken from them what for to execute upon them the what judgment written whatever is written in the bible when you speak the word of god you release those judgments this honor has what some of the saints the good ones the handsome ones the ones with brown eyes and brown hair no come on saints who this honor has all the saints that when you speak the word of god you release judgments upon the people you condemn the tongues that come against you oh i don't receive that sister no 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 oh brother that's not who i am anymore 
you're such a liar oh no the devil is a liar for it is written know the truth and it will make you free remember you used to abuse people you were an alcoholic oh but now i'm washed in the blood of jesus once was i blind but now i see saith the lord oh you'll never make it no but the bible says i'm more than a conqueror through christ jesus who loved me remember all the hatred you had yeah but guess what the bible says even now there's many forgiven i'm forgiven i'm no longer bound so the enemy's weapons are words and your weapons are the word of god so whatever the enemy's telling you look to see what the word of god says about that and you quote that back out loud write it down put it in your car write it in a journal how long pastor till you got the victory you got lust find every scripture on lust and you quote those scriptures till you got the victory you don't get off the ground till you get the victory let's stand in the house of the lord amen thank you for giving me the time Now, we did have an altar call earlier, but if you're battling anything that the Holy Spirit was bringing to your mind in this service, I want you to come on up and let's pray for you. I don't care who you are. Let's take the time to pray for you. Whoever you are. Remember, sometimes you need an Aaron and you need a her. Sometimes you can't do it on your own. That's what we're here for. If you, and Pastor, I've tried 20 times. Then get up, get up and humble yourself. Get an Aaron and a her right here to hold up your hand up in prayer. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what your issue is. I don't care what your sickness is. I don't care. We don't care about what you're going through, but we do care about you. We care about you. We love you. Amen. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, there's those of you watching all the way from, literally, all the way from Hawaii to New York. There's those in here. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, the Bible says that you cannot have eternal life without Christ. Only through him. There's no salvation in anybody but Jesus. If you've never asked Jesus Christ, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Those here in this place and those online, I want you to pray with me. Everyone together, help me bring people to Christ. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But he rose again on the third day. And he lives forever. Jesus, come into my heart. I give you everything. My life, my soul, my body, my spirit, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Completely over to you. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. If for the first time you ever said that prayer, I want you to come up to me or any one of my staff. And we want to get you a Bible. We want to get you baptized. We want to give you information. Those online, email me, joseph at radiantlifeaz.com. For the rest of you, let me say a prayer dismissal. Now, we're going to continue praying for everybody here because we're not in no hurry. But I know some of you got some chicken on, on, the, on somewhere. Amen. So, got to take care of that. And don't forget our service tonight, our prophetic exhortation with ministers Preston and Sharon. It's going to be awesome. Let me pray your dismissal. Go ahead and close your eyes one last time. Father, I bless everyone in this place from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Touch them, bless them, minister to them, fill them with the Holy Ghost and with your power, protect them. And everybody said, 
Amen. God bless you. If you would like to hear more stern messages like this, I would like to know more about Radiant Life Church. Please visit us online at RadiantLifeAZ.com or download our free Radiant Life Church Arizona phone app at your Android or iPhone store. With it, you can connect with us, submit prayer requests, watch past church services or live streaming services, download sermons, check church bulletin for important events, register for events, access our online multimedia store, give financially, and much, much more. I would also like to take the time to encourage you to take your first step in embarking on your spiritual journey with us by taking our new members class called Radiant 101. You can do this by tapping the form tab on our Radiant Life Church phone app, select new members class, and fill out the form. Or register online at our church website at radiantlifeaz.com. Under the connection column, select new members class and fill out the form there. In response, we will contact you soon thereafter with all the information you need for a positive experience. Again, thank you for visiting us, and I look forward to meeting you in person. God bless.